a peek at the Apple Car. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. This is the Kelly Letter Podcast, and I'm Jason Kelly. Apple's electric vehicle project is codenamed Titan. It began in 2014. The company has devoted more than 5,000 employees to it over the past five years or so, most of whom work at a secret location not far from Apple's headquarters in Cupertino, California. And even that number of employees, 5,000, is, is, is pretty fuzzy. I mean, the whole project is quite secretive, and just little leaks are coming out here and there. People are doing things like researching patents and uh, talking to new hires and people who've left the company, trying to sneak around the edges to understand what is going on. But not a whole lot of information has come out. I, I dug into it recently because I think this ties into our recent discussions on, on this podcast about what is in the, in the near future for big tech? You may recall a few weeks ago, we looked at doubts from The Economist magazine in July about whether big tech is finished, or whether the, the hyper growth years are behind it, and, and the whole sector is going to become just sort of a plodding part of the, the mainstream economy. I disagree with The Economist's conclusion that that is the case. And a few weeks ago, I looked at why I thought big tech looked better than other sectors, um, even up, apart from whether we're going into a recession or not. And then a week ago, looked at how the growth of the metaverse could be the next big thing. It will certainly provide a pretty high growth area that all the big tech companies are looking into. And now today, I want to look at something else that could be the next big thing, at least for Apple, but also probably for the whole industry, because so many parts of big tech are looking into a new era of automotive transportation. Apple's car will be a fully autonomous self-driving vehicle at the highest level achieved to date. I mean, so far, self-driving, you know, if, if you've done it, it's pretty good. It can follow maps and, and get you where you're going for the most part. Uh, some of Tesla's self-driving has been has been quite good, in fact, uh, reports in, in media, but also reports directly to me from people who own a Tesla. I do not. I've driven one, but I don't own one, so I don't know it as well as people who do. And I have to trust their reports that the self-driving is pretty good. But that's about as much as it ever glows. Nobody says it's ready to go. I can just fall asleep in the car and end up back home. We're just not quite there yet. Well, Apple wants to get there. It wants a truly autonomous self-driving vehicle, and rumors suggest that the car will have no steering wheel or pedals, but look more like a lounge than a traditional car. This is something that I've been speculating about for quite a long time. Readers, readers know who've been with me for five and ten years that I've been speculating that, that self-driving cars, when they finally get to that level, will look more like, like lounges and that people might even end up living in these cars if they can self-drive themselves, the car that is, self-drive themselves to a recharging plate, uh, something like that. Then people could even avoid rent by just being in this car that's moving around or parks itself somewhere where they don't get into trouble. If it's always connected on Wi-Fi and has a decent living quarters like a camping car, we could see a dramatic culture shift. But that's, that's way beyond this discussion because we're not there yet. But I was pretty excited to see that, that early reports and rumors say that Apple is working on something that will look more like a lounge than a traditional car. And the team that Apple's brought to this project is pretty impressive. It's people from Apple's AI and machine learning division and also the Apple Watch Group, which 
It seems a little bit like an odd, an odd pairing, except that the Apple Watch might be the, the most mobile type of thing that Apple does, even more than the phone, for example, certainly more than computers and, and the, uh, the tablet, the I, iPad. So that's the main group, the AI machine learning bunch and the Apple Watch group. But I have to say, one thing that has not been impressive from Apple is the progress of Siri. Um, let's hope that the Apple car <laughs> proceeds a lot more impressively than Siri has. Siri is still a joke. Um, Alexa's way ahead of Siri. So I'm hoping that, that Apple um, <laughs> really takes its best and brightest from other parts of the company and not that Siri group that still hasn't figured out how to make that, that conversation app actually converse in a convincing way. It's, it's pretty pathetic. So I doubt Apple will roll out the car before it's, it's more ready for prime time than Siri is, but that is a little bit of a concern. And Apple, if you're listening, <laughs> would somebody please walk down the hall and smack that Siri group around so they could get cracking on that thing? It's been 15 years. Okay, well, Apple on the car plans to use its own in-house designed chips running neural processors, and those will be the fastest chips that it's made because there is an enormous amount of processing demand from a car that's taking in data from, from cameras and trying to navigate streets, particularly if it's not following a preloaded map, which is what Apple wants to do. More on that in a moment. But it, because of the high processing demand, Apple plans to make its own chips, which it's already started doing, of course, with its other devices. And it, it wants to manufacture, it will be manufacturing the chips with Taiwan Semiconductor. That's the same company that makes chips for Macs, iPhones, and iPads. So this part of the car seems pretty, pretty standard fare for Apple, and that's good news because this is an enormous project to, to, to take on anyway. So if it, can, if it can turn parts of it into something from its own experience already, that will help with the things that are brand new, take a little of the pressure off. So I, for one, think it's pretty smart to use its own chips and its own uh, manufacturing partner to, to power the car as well. Um, one of the things that has set Apple products apart through the years is the total integration controlled by the company. You, if you've spent much time with PCs, you've probably been through this, where something goes wrong with your computer, you immediately call the maker of the computer, whatever that brand name is, whatever the name is on the thing. You call the support number, and then the maker of the computer says, well, that's not our fault. Call the maker of the operating system, which is almost always Microsoft if it's on a PC. Call Microsoft. That, that's a Microsoft problem, not, not, not our problem. We just do the hardware. So then you call Microsoft, and they say, well, it's not the operating system. It's whoever made that hard drive. So uh, w w what's the hard drive you're running? And then you tell them the hard drive maker. You'll need to call that hard drive maker because it sounds like that hard drive is issuing some kind of problem, et cetera. And the whole thing daisy chains until you've gone through every single component under the hood, and everybody points to everybody else. Meanwhile, your computer is smoking, and you can't get anything done. Uh, eventually, for me at least, it always ended up with call the motherboard manufacturer. And then you get some engineer in the basement who says, who, who are you? Well, with Apple, none of this happens. It's a one-stop situation. They, 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 they don't make everything, but they control everything. They're the, the general contractor of that computer, and the buck stops there. When you call Apple about anything wrong with an Apple device, Apple takes care of it. They never tell you it's the maker of some other component that is at fault. And probably the most convincing report for me comes from friends who make their own computers and run various operating systems such as Linux and others. I mean, the, the absolute nerds of the computing world who are my friends. 
And these people tell me that try as they might, they cannot duplicate Apple's smooth operation through tight integration. They just can't do it. Even if you, they get a, a similar trackpad on a notebook computer and a similar keyboard, and it seems like similar everything, and they put it together perfectly, they say they just cannot match Apple's seamless integration. So all of that in, in light of today's discussion is not to be an endorsement of Apple's existing product line, but to say that this experience of total integration should help Apple immensely as it makes a car of all kinds of different parts that know how to work together seamlessly just like the other devices it makes. And this could give it an edge over other e-car competitors. Tesla is the most obvious one, but, but there are many e-cars out there and many more coming. So if, if Apple can, can make a car that is as impressively, seamlessly integrated as its other devices, then this could really help us stand out in, a, in an ever more crowded field. About five years ago, the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, spoke about the project, which was rare because Apple is famously tight-lipped, especially with something that is, that is announced to be secret. People don't even know exactly where this is being worked on or how many people are working on it. But even so, Tim Cook said five years ago, quote from him, we're focusing on autonomous systems. It's a core technology that we view as very important. We, see, we sort of see it as the mother of all AI projects. It's probably one of the most difficult AI projects actually to work on. End quote. And I have to say, that quote gave me hope that this is not the, the Siri clown show and that, you know, they say it's the mother of all AI projects. I mean, maybe in a sense, Apple thought, the heck with Siri. This is too much work for something nobody really cares about. Let's put our best AI people on this car so that people can actually interact with the car. Because it's, talk about a bust. If you, if you got in your car and spoke to it as you expect to do in one of these advanced vehicles, and it went the way a conversation with Siri goes, you'd be back into a traditional gas guzzler by the end of the week. Can you imagine? Hey, Siri, take me home. I'm sorry, I do not understand that. Siri, take me home. Home, yes, I just emailed you some links to the definition of the word home. I mean, if things went that badly, you can be sure Apple's car project would be a complete crash. And I don't think they're going to do that. And that quote by Tim Cook five years ago indicates that whatever sort of resources Apple has in the AI area, they're being put toward this car. Last month, a publication called The Information published a report titled Inside Apple's Eight-Year Struggle to Build a Self-Driving Car, in which the magazine revealed that the company had test-driven several of its prototype cars on a 40-mile trek from Bozeman to Big Sky, Montana. And this, this epic journey was filmed with drones to demonstrate to executives that the expensive, long-running project was making progress. Because apparently there's been some, some rancor, I suppose, inside the ranks of people saying, how much money are we going to pour down this, even though we, we have more money than God? Nonetheless, we don't want to waste it. When are we going to see some progress from this? Well, apparently that Montana road trip went well showing that the system that the, the, the Titan group is working on could navigate without detailed three-dimensional roadmaps, which most competitor self-driving car programs require. Apple wants a car that understands its surroundings without relying on preloaded maps, like a human driver. I mean, these days, maybe many people use their navigation system, but, but basically, if the navigation system is broken, what do we do? We look around, we, we, we try to see things we recognize, and we certainly don't drive off the road because our navigation system is down. We, we're able to stay in the lines and so on. So 
the idea is this car should be able to be dropped anywhere on earth and should be able to drive itself safely to wherever it needs to go. And maps aren't reliable, of course, because the world changes all the time. Well, according to the information, what worked on the back roads of Montana did not go so well back home in the city. Quote, the good vibes following the Bozeman demo didn't last long. Apple's test vehicles, which are modified Lexus SUVs, struggled to navigate streets near its Silicon Valley headquarters without the maps, smacking into curbs and sometimes having trouble staying in their lanes while crossing intersections, according to two people who worked on the program. And earlier this year, a test vehicle nearly hit a jogger who was crossing the street and had the right-of-way, one of these people said. End quote. Also from that report, I learned that Apple's car will have four inward-facing seats that enable passengers to engage in face-to-face conversations, and it will feature a, a curved roof similar to the roof of a Volkswagen Beetle. Now, there's, there's encouragement and discouragement in here. Um, I, I love that it's going toward that lounge setup, the way I talked earlier, and, and what I speculated would happen with self-driving cars in the past. I'm really happy to see that happening because it just seems obvious to me, and I'm so glad that we're finally seeing some progress toward a real benefit of a self-driving vehicle. And if they're serious enough to have it look like a lounge, then they must be pretty confident that they're going to be able to have it truly, reliably self-driven. Because without a steering wheel and pedals, if it's not reliably self-driven, <laughs> well, the mind wanders, doesn't it? So I, I, I guess that that's the encouragement, that Apple's confident it's going to make this work. The discouragement is that it's not working quite yet. It, it's apparently quite hard to make a car reliably, safely self-driven. And I, I, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I remember in, when other e-cars and self-driven cars have, have made mistakes, hitting people, bumping curves and stuff. Uh, sometimes the, the mistake that happens is is not really the car's fault. And it almost feels like we're, in some ways, we're being more demanding of these cars than we are of human drivers, which to a certain degree is understandable. But I was talking with a friend about this. What if a self-driving car is going down a road that has an overpass, let's say a pedestrian bridge on top, and as the car is coming under that, that bridge over the road, a, right as the car gets below that bridge, a person jumps off that bridge in front of the car for whatever reason, drunk or committing suicide. This is an extreme case, but what's the car supposed to do? The obstacle drops out of the sky from above the car. We can't see what it is. If it swerves to get away from this thing falling in front of it, it, it could roll itself and kill its passengers or hit another car. And if, if the car then hits that person that came off the bridge, does that mean that self-driving technology needs to be banned? And we haven't had to face too much of this moral dilemma yet, but we could get to that point. And it might not even be so much a moral dilemma as just a technological one. There, there are going to be some accidents that we can't even expect a we, we can't expect even a self-driving vehicle to be able to avoid. Some accidents might simply be unavoidable, and society's going to have to just understand that it's not really the car's fault. But of course, that's really not a way to roll out a new car. We sometimes crash, but it's not really our fault is probably not the best marketing slogan. So Apple is going to have to return to the drawing board and keep this going until it gets to a very high percentage of accuracy and safety. So where can we find out the direction of this secret project? Probably the best area to look are patent filings, and they give us a hint of things to come. Let's look at that. 
Last month, a joint investigation by Nikkei and a Tokyo analytics company found that Apple has jumped into automobile-related technologies uh, as shown by the company's recent patent applications. Now, of course, but the point is that it's, it's not planning to license this operating system for a car to somebody else, which seems to be Google's strategy. It's not, Apple's not going to just create the Apple self-driving OS and then license it to other companies to put into the cars that they are making. That, that's what Google's doing, apparently, and has been working on for 20 years, so who knows what Google's really doing, but that seems to be the direction they're going. Apple wants to actually make its cars. This is a huge departure because, obviously, making a car is a lot harder than making a smartphone or any of the other devices that Apple makes. It's, it's not easy. A lot of companies have been doing it for, for well over 60 years, and it seems pretty tough for Apple to, to catch up on such a large device if we can even think of a car as a device. So the reason this matters is that the patent applications Apple is filing are about the manufacture of the cars, not, not just a bunch of IP related to communications and camera work and stuff like that, but the automobile mechanics itself. So this is pretty exciting to discover. Nikkei Asia reported, quote, Apple has filed patents in self-driving and other vehicle software, as well as in hardware related to riding comfort, such as seats and suspension. The U.S. tech and services company is also targeting vehicle to everything, which is abbreviated V2X technology, which allows cars to communicate with each other and connect to the Internet of Things. And this is seen as a major push by Apple to build its own platform and join a growing industry shift from just cars to overall mobility, end quote. As of June 1st, Apple had applied for and published 248 automobile-related patents after 2000. Now, looking over the, um, the, what Nikkei turned up from intellectual property landscape, there's a pie chart of Apple's 248 patents filed since 2000. So we can see what percentage of these patents are in different areas. More than half of the patents are related to navigation and self-driving, as you would expect. But the rest relate to user experience or, I guess, passenger experience. Things like doors, lighting, windows, connectivity with other Apple devices, and so on. Just going through the pie chart, 36% is communication and automotive navigation, 18% self-driving and sensing, 16% door, seat, window, and lighting, 13% connection with iPhone and extended reality, 4% for battery and heat management, and 13% to other, which includes a lot of, of those uh, passenger experience niceties to, to help the car stand apart in the part where the, the, the area where people actually experience it. We, I've talked before about how a lot of electric cars are so impressive under the hood, but, but the actual frontline experience of getting in the car, sitting at it, looking at it in the parking lot when you come out of the theater at night, and it, and sometimes not so impressive, actually. So... I find it encouraging that Apple's spending a, a lot of time and developing patents to make the, the passenger and owner experience of its car impressive and not just something to read off the brochure to everybody about how much torque the motor has and that kind of stuff or battery life and stuff, but just what's it like to drive the thing, you know? Uh, more from Nikkei, quote, many of Apple's patents involve technology for materials and parts used to create windows, seats, suspension, and other components that will make driving and riding more comfortable, end quote. There you go. Now, 
Pause here. As an investor or somebody wondering about the prospects for Apple the company, can you imagine a more powerful way to solidify Apple's ecosystem? I mean, if the car catches on, every driver and passenger will want only Apple devices for a total integration package. Who's going to want to own an Apple car or spend a lot of time in an Apple car with a device that doesn't communicate with the Apple car? Nobody. So this is going to be great for Apple's business and could well be the next big thing that adds trillions in market cap. Now, this matters because one worry about big tech is that it's too big to grow anymore. This is something that The Economist mentioned last month. If Apple's car can be as amazing as it seems to be, it could not only create a huge new business segment in its own right by building and selling cars, but also light a new fire under Apple's existing product line. Imagine all the ads saying your 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 new car will work with the, the iPhone, whatever number we're up to, but nothing before that will suddenly, boom, a whole wave of upgrades to the new Apple devices because people want them to work with their new cars. And just imagine coming out of a building, calling your Apple car on your Apple watch. I mean, something out of James Bond or some futuristic movie, you know, Apple car, come to me now. And it knows from, from GPS and such where you are. And then it drives up to get you. You get in the back. You, you don't even get into drive. You just get in the back and it looks like a, a luxury lounge. You say your destination out loud and sip a beverage while the car takes you wherever you're going. You might also browse your Apple device, if not use one that's built right into the compartment that you're sitting in. Futuristic, yes, yes, but, but I think that's basically the idea Apple's going for, and if anybody can p- package that in a bunch of ads that look amazing, Apple's the company to do it. The V2X patents look important. Uh, Nikkei described those thusly. The V2X patent package comprises the next generation, quote, by the way, comprises the next generation of connectedness between cars, between cars and roads, between cars and pedestrians, and between cars and the cloud. Improving the safety of autonomous vehicles entails gathering information on traffic lights as well as cars and pedestrians in blind spots. The technology used for quickly collecting and processing such information is the focus of other automakers as well, end quote. In my view, this is the holy grail of an entire fleet of autonomous vehicles. They could talk to each other to avoid traffic jams, let each other get in optimal positions for entry and exit from highways, and so on. No more road rage or human error by a minority of drivers screwing up the commute for everybody else. You know, you've seen it. You're on the freeway. It's jam-packed. You need to get over to the exit line, the exit lane. You, you put your blinker on. You start trying to work your way over. Somebody doesn't let you in. Then you have to roar your way in, and the guy start, behind you starts honking. It's just a total cluster. And if the cars were speaking to each other, no, uh, no fists raised, no horns honking, no, no rudeness, but just car A signals to car B, I'm going to be exiting up there, so I need to come over. And car B just lets that car A in because there's no sort of human, emotional, ridiculous competitiveness going on. If, 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 if the entire fleet of cars, this is a long way off, I know, but just as a thought experiment, if the entire fleet of cars on that freeway were connected through V2X technology and they could speak to each other, we wouldn't have traffic jams and there wouldn't be road rage. There'd just be a bunch of people sitting in those lounges in the back, arriving at their destinations while they sip beverages and and browse or already start working. And maybe then you wonder why they even had to go to work, but you get the point. 
When, oh, when will this arrive? Let's look at that. I'll get to the estimated arrival date of Apple's car in a moment. Before that, may I tell you about the Kelly letter again? Remember, it's my only sponsor for this podcast. Uh, for now, this podcast comes to you courtesy entirely of the Kelly Letter, which is my main business. That's my bread and butter. That's what pays my bills, and that's what pays the bills of my subscribers because the letter has done very well. I told you last week that I don't want to go through talking about its great performance and what we've done in the past, even though that's all true. I was just saying a week ago that every investment service says that. Nobody says they're terrible. They all show the, the charts of things that worked. But what my letter does is remove stress from indecision because its portfolio is driven entirely by quarterly price reaction. And we saw a little bit of that benefit just this past week. You, you may have noticed this. The market had its worst week last week was the stock market's worst week since June, which so far is the bottom of the crash this year. The, the market's been going down because of high inflation that the Fed is fighting, so we have higher interest rates to combat inflation. Oil became expensive after the Ukraine war. That contributed to inflation. And we are seeing this sort of post-pandemic hangover now, and the market's trying to work its way through that. And last week, Jerome Powell spoke at the Jackson Hole Conference, and he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and said that they're very committed to fighting inflation. They're not ready to back off yet, and they'll do whatever it takes to, to squash inflation. That's actually not new information. We already knew that, but the market was hoping for a more dovish Fed. And the end result of this is the market went down a lot last week. That can cause stress for people thinking, oh my gosh, it was just a bear market rally from June to the middle of August. So it was just a two-month bear market rally, and now we're going to crash again. And you may have gone through some of these thoughts, either on your own or talking to your investment advisor. But the Kelly Letter and its subscribers did not go through that feeling because we've been through all this before. And, and every, every time we've seen the system go through this, we've become more comfortable with how it operates. We're still well off the level that we bought in early July, which is not even the point of this. It's just that that happened automatically. There was no sort of, is this the time to buy or not? Should we stay out longer or not? It's all baked in. Early July, time to run the numbers. We ran the numbers. Prices were down. We moved money into stocks. There we go. And now everybody's looking forward to the next signal at the beginning of October. And this is one example of a real-life week last week with the chairman of the Federal Reserve giving comments at Jackson Hole, Wyoming that freaked out the market, sent stocks down more than they've been down since June. And we didn't feel a ripple. That's not bragging. That's a testament to the system that it's, it's driven by math. It's on a set schedule. People that have watched it go through these repeating fluctuations of the market know that this is how it works. And they're comfortable with it, and we didn't feel stress. It used to be years ago when I bought, when I, when I picked and chose different stocks. Every time the market would fluctuate downward, my inbox would fill with all kinds of panicky communications. These days, almost none. Not zero, but close to zero. And that power, that, that steady market-beating performance over time that doesn't get ruffled by a repeat of information we already knew that sends the market down, that kind of volatility is put to work by these portfolios and will give you so much comfort through the ups and downs of the market over time. I'd like you to see it for yourself and look at the calculator that we use each, each quarter. 
see how the system works, and, and join a community of like-minded, level-headed, rational price reaction investors. Please take a look. The performance chart is at jasonkelly.com. It's updated every weekend, so you can see how even after last week we're still doing all right, but it did take us down just like everybody else, which is fine. You can see that updated weekly chart at jasonkelly.com, and I'd love to have you subscribe, which you can also do right there at jasonkelly.com. And now, back to the arrival of Apple's car. Thank you for listening to my quick Kelly Letter sponsorship. I hope you will visit jasonkelly.com. But now, let's get back to the arrival of Apple's car. We've been waiting a long time. It's been eight years already for Apple. It's been something like 20 years since Google's been working on this. So come on already, guys. Nikkei and others think the big year for connected cars and electric vehicles will be 2025. Now, where did that come from? The hints come from the GSMA. What is that? The GSM stands for Global System for Mobile Communications, although it originally came from the French Group Special Mobile, and the A stands for Association. So the Global System for Mobile Communications Association, it's headquartered in London. According to its About Us page, the GSMA is a global organization unifying the mobile ecosystem. Its vision is to unlock the full power of connectivity so that people, industry, and society can thrive through a more mobile and interconnected society. It represents mobile operators across the mobile ecosystem and adjacent industries, which includes transportation. The GSMA forecasts that fifth generation 5G networks will come into widespread use in 2025 and 5G connections will exceed 2 billion, or more than 20% of all mobile connections. This development dovetails with a steady decrease in the cost of EV batteries, which is a major component of electric cars, of course, and one that keeps their prices high. So it looks like a lot of different parts that need to come together will come together in about 2025. And uh, because of that, the 5G networks will finally give better connectivity so that the devices like self-driving cars that need very good connectivity will be able to finally um, function more, more effectively. And at the same time, the battery prices will be coming down. The ranges will be going farther on cars. And it just seems like it's going to be finally the moment that pops. Now, doubts exist that Apple will be able to manufacture its cars, but it will probably outsource that job to, well, to another company with well-established experience. And rumor has it that the partner will be Hyundai Kia, Hyundai Kia, depending which part of the world you're in, the Korean automaker. However, this is key. It would be a full Apple-branded vehicle, not a Kia model running Apple software. There were other rumored manufacturing partners, including at one point Nissan, but Nissan came out and disavowed that it was in talks with Apple, and also Volkswagen. Apparently Apple and Volkswagen have worked together quite a bit, but still the, the leading contender, the leading assumption in the rumor mill is that the manufacturing partner will be Hyundai. Now the fact that no firmly established manufacturing partner exists suggests that Apple's car is not set to appear imminently. I doubt, I doubt that kind of collaboration could be whipped together overnight. But then again, three years is not overnight. We have three years from now until 2025. So maybe we will be seeing the, the car actually come to fruition. The Titan project has been going for eight years already. Maybe we'll get to see the Apple car in showrooms by mid-decade. I'd be pretty excited about that. That, that would 
that would get my juices flowing in. Finally, the next big thing, and, and to see some sleek, lounge-like, self-driven car with a big glowing Apple logo on it, wow. I mean, that would be superb for Apple's business. And I believe that would be great for the stock market and tech stock indexes, given that Apple is the world's largest company by market cap at $2.6 trillion. That is a big needle, hard to move, and it's going to take a very big project to really move that needle. I think the car could be it, and it looks like Apple is darn serious about it. With moves into that and, and the, the virtual reality world of the metaverse, which we examined last week, these things could really give a whole new face for Apple. Of the two, I think, I think the car would be the most amazing thing, and it would just light up Apple's entire product line with so much excitement, and then the car itself would generate a lot of new revenue. That sounds to me like a needle mover. Apple is serious about it. The patent filings show this to be the case, and I love that it's not going to just license an operating system. It's going to make its own car, and that famous Apple integration could make it really stand out from the pack. And I say it's about time already. Go, Apple. Give us the next big thing. Thank you for listening. This is the Kelly Letter Podcast, and I'm Jason Kelly. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast from any of the easy links at jasonkelly.com to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Also, at jasonkelly.com, you'll find links to the material mentioned in this episode. Not so many this time, really just two big sources I used and then some other smaller ones that didn't really deserve a whole link. But you can find a link to that uh, that, article, that report from the information called Inside Apple's Eight-Year Struggle to Build a Self-Driving Car and the patent exploration by Nikkei Asia titled Apple's Patent History Reveals a Major Push into Autos. And remember, the distinction there is actual auto manufacturing, not just an OS. If you have a moment, please leave me a review wherever you review podcasts. It would really help a lot. And the only thing I'd love more than that is to welcome you to the Kelly Letter. You can subscribe today at jasonkelly.com to get my onboarding materials and start your own market-beating SIG plans without the stress of day-to-day and week-to-week fluctuation. You'll go through the fluctuation, but you'll know how to handle it because we're on a set schedule with mere price reaction driving everything we do. I send new letters every Sunday morning. If you do nothing else, please join the free list at the top right of jasonkelly.com. The empty field is waiting for your email address. Just enter, click sign up, and you'll be on your way. Current subscribers, as always, thank you for doing business with me. I will see you Sunday. Sunday.